Hello and welcome inside the Saints Disco for another episode. This is the third dance for 2019. You'll look at St Kilda Football Club from a fan's perspective. My name is Tav and joining me back inside the Disco once again, it's good to be back in the winner's circle with Screech. G'day Tav, yeah, back uh, in the Disco and starting off the year with a win. So that's always uh, always good. A uh, couple of week hiatus for us Tav, but... Uh, yeah, excited to do our uh, first season proper episode for the year. Fantastic. Yes, of course, the Saints had a thrilling one-point win over the Gold Coast Suns at uh, Marvel Stadium on the weekend, so we'll get into that uh, during the podcast. We'll also uh, preview the upcoming fixture against uh, Lowly Essendon. <laughs> um, been a bit of club news uh, bouncing around Screech, and uh, we'll definitely dive into uh, all the happenings and shenanigans that's uh, been uh, running through uh, the media uh, impacting the Saints. We'll also look at um, uh, some Jason Instagrams that's been going on there, Saints on social media, and open up uh, G-Train's Gmail, your correspondence. Of course, Saints fans, you can get in touch with the Saints Disco, saintsdiscopod at gmail.com or on Twitter at saintsdiscopod. All right, Screech, we'll kick things off with the Gold Coast game. As we said, a thrilling one-point victory. Uh, now, the interesting thing coming into this one, you know, it's, it's been a club that uh, externally has been under a lot of pressure, uh, I guess, uh, in terms of uh, the, the personnel that was available uh, going into the game. Uh, certainly a lot of discussion around the back line, yes. almost uh, to the point where uh, it was one of the the youngest and most inexperienced back lines uh, the Saints have put out for some time. Yeah. Uh, and we've walked away with a one-point uh, victory against Gold Coast, who uh, many are tipping for the uh, wooden spoon. Um how do we sort of uh, rate this one, Screech? Uh, look, a win's a win, Tav, I think is uh, what you take, uh, take out of this one. And, and I'm going to be relying on, uh, on you for a lot of this analysis because I was overseas for this game. So I've managed to watch uh, most of it on replay. But uh, look, the backline's an interesting one, an interesting point to start because um, look, guys that you thought potentially might never have been playing AFL footy are suddenly playing AFL footy for us because of uh, problems in our back line, which is a great story. Uh, Callum Wilkie, who I've barely heard anything of or know much about, um, I think seemed to perform pretty well for someone getting his first taste in AFL footy. Some good marks. Uh, let himself down a little bit with uh, disposal and decision-making, um, like a lot of his teammates did, but I thought, you know, couldn't have asked for much more from a bloke, uh, mature-age recruit playing his first game. Dara Joyce in... Uh, Playing full back, like uh, many of his backline teammates, giving up a lot of size. But I thought, yeah, and again, probably like a lot of his teammates, um, did some things that you sort of cringed and, and didn't like. But also, patches of the game was really important, and you know, put his fist in the, at the right time, took some good marks, and, and did, uh, did a lot of good. So, I think that that backline story, though, Tar, that you mentioned, being undermanned with Carlisle and uh, Robin and out for the season. Uh, I think that's going to be, you know, that's going to be our Achilles heel for the uh, for the year. I think that was pretty um, obvious on the weekend from what I saw in the game. Um, some of the free kicks were given away, just smaller blokes grabbing on, holding arms, just because they had yeah. nothing else they could do really. Um, having said that, uh, <clears throat> as undermanned as they are and, and undersized as they are, they held up pretty well. Um, and for a guy like uh, Two Meter Peter to only kick two goals yeah. when he could have, should have dominated that back line. Um, either he's not as good as everyone thinks he's going to be or um, our back line sort of held up okay. Yeah, he helped us out there in the last quarter when he elected to uh, centre the ball top of the square yeah, and uh, have a pin. Yeah, have a shot, yeah. Uh, you're right. Uh, you know, first quarter I thought, oh, here we go. Here's uh, two metre Peter going to go nuts today. Really stand yeah. himself. You know, the perfect storm. Lynch is gone. So he's going to be the uh, the new uh, destination forward there for the Suns. Uh Suns did get away, Screech, in that first quarter. And I guess uh, for me coming into this game... Uh, there's been a lot of talk through the preseason that we've got the new assistant coaches in, um, got the new game plan, the new game style. Uh, all all uh, off season, Matt Finnis, uh, Left Lean, all the all the leaders of the club, Richardson, have been talking up. You know, uh, you'll see a different St Kilda this year. You'll see more aggressive St Kilda, more fitter St Kilda, uh, more quicker St Kilda. Fittest team in the comp Yeah. Uh, just for me in that opening stanza, I was expecting us to come out breathing fire. Yeah. And it just didn't happen. We were flat. Um, the sun's got away. And how many times have you said that under Richardson? I, I know. It was just uh, it was, it was lacklustre. It was uh, uninspired. It was like uh, the, the team had not come to play. They're expecting a th- you know, three o'clock start on a Sunday afternoon. 
pity the game started at one ten. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was really disappointed because I wanted to see like uh, that step change. I was expecting that. We saw that in the preseason. We mm. saw some really nice uh, passages of play. We saw the connectivity coming in. Um, the, the transition was uh, getting there nicely in the in the preseason, yeah. albeit against you know low key bulldogs and kangaroos sides. Uh, we just didn't see that. Look, there was patches throughout the game where we did get that ball movement. Um, uh, I, I guess more directed through the corridor and also uh, avoided that sideways chipping footy that was yeah. uh, so evident last year. Uh, so as I say, just to come out uh, in that first standard was disappointing. Look, the, the side sort of grew as the uh, the game went on and uh, were able to get back into the contest, of course. Um, interesting to note that uh, that halfway period, up by 13 points, and Richardson identified this after the game, I, like he, thought we'd go on and sort of, uh, you know, pull out to a 30, 40-point mm. comfortable victory, but it didn't happen. So so where do we sort of uh, see the reasoning for that? Uh, well, just to go back to the, uh, you mentioned the start of the game, sort of the, what we've seen pre-season, the way they, the style of play and the way they go about it, more direct that we're hoping they do. Yeah. I think they, they sort of tried that earlier yeah. from what I could see, and there were a couple of passages where you could see them sort of coming inboard and being a bit more direct into the forward line, and it, it just didn't come off like it yeah. wasn't far off but just didn't come off and it was either one poor decision or more often probably more disp- poor disposal sort of let us down and you could see it, it didn't work initially like they tried it was almost there it didn't work initially and I think you mentioned they really fell back in their shells and the old habits of overusing the ball going sideways once it didn't sort of work initially there was that reversion to uh, what we've seen in previous Richardson iterations which yep. um, yeah, it was frustrating for me as a yeah. fan because I was hoping this is Richo's last chance at this yeah uh, and it just didn't quite come off but yeah and, and a couple of times as well throughout the game I, th- I thought this happened um, we got stuck in that over possessing and over handballing the ball as well uh, we seem to we want to maintain uh, possession obviously when we come under pressure but we seem to struggle to work through um, that pressure that other teams put us under in a really positive way and, and sort of break through it, we sort of just try and weather it and end up handballing and handballing and handballing and it mm. just ends up either we turn it over or end up in a worse position uh, in a neutral spot. Um, so there's some, yeah, old habits there that um, were disappointing, I thought, um, that you'd hope would have gotten rid of. Look, they, they fought through it. As you said, the Suns got out to that um, you know, ripper start that we hoped we'd have. Um, we fought back into the contest and a couple of times when... Um, Gold Coast got on top throughout the, the game. I thought we at least fought. We, we kept fighting. We didn't um, get, drop our heads as much as we would have liked to have broken the game open and got out to that sort of 30, 40-point lead. I thought, you know, hopefully going into the game, I thought we'd have sort of a 6-7 goal win was, was my hope. But it didn't happen. And why it didn't happen, I guess, I don't know. Look, I think um, disposal and decision-making let us down too many times. Uh, and when the ball moved quickly against us, our back line was just under pressure. And mm. I think we were lucky that they didn't capitalise. We were only playing a Gold Coast Suns team that um, is tipped to be bottom of the ladder because they didn't capitalise on the opportunities they had. I just think we let ourselves down too many times with our ball use and, and decision-making. Um, Which is the same old story. It is. It is the same old story. Year six yeah. of the Richardson program. It is, yeah. And um, unfortunately, it's it's same old culprits as well that, that seem to be doing it. Uh, so so just uh, with that screech, we did open the show with, I guess, uh, the look at the uh, the back line being decimated mm. and young and inexperienced. Yeah. Uh, so is, I guess uh, is, was your, your expectation was a 40-point win, I guess, or six or seven goals coming in. Yeah. Was that unrealistic? I mean, um, uh, is, is Richardson right, right to point to a couple of things after the game? The inexperience of the back line, uh, the, I guess, uh, taking a bit of time to bet in with the uh, the new coaches coming in in terms of the... How the whole summer to do that, though? Like, that's what a pre-season's for, is to bet in with new coaches and new game plans. Like, if you're not ready to enact a new game plan by round one, you're kidding yourself. You, you can't use that as an excuse. Look, mm. the back line and, and uh, the players we had there and, and being undermanned pretty much the rest of the season going forward, that is a legitimate excuse. and Well, not an excuse, a legitimate reason on um, what, what is going to be an issue for us. And uh, I think we'll see teams will take us apart just because of our uh, the back line we're going to have each week. Well, hopefully it doesn't happen. But what we saw on the weekend, which was disappointing, I guess the midfield just didn't get on top enough. Yeah. Um, Pierce was from what I saw and, and have read, was absolutely obliterated in the ruck. Um, so our answer there is going to be either Billy Longer coming back in, God help us, or, uh, or sexy Rowan Marshall coming yeah. in and taking over the number one ruck spot. Uh, we're interested to see if Pierce holds on f- for this week. Um, so, uh, look, I, I don't know. The um, the fact... We, we don't have a back line that um, 
is built to withstand any pressure. So that relies on the, the players up the field, especially the midfield, uh, preventing the other team from having good ball going forward and putting them under pressure. And I think we just, for patches on uh, the weekend, we didn't have that uh, happening well enough. But apart from that, I don't know what the other excuses are, Taf. What, what else did uh, Richo offer up for us? Uh, uh, well, I guess uh, so some other factors uh, for Richardson at play would be, you know, he's uh, introduced Jack Stephen at uh, short notice. Uh, yeah, had a fantastic yeah. game. Yeah, and, you know, thank he, God he did. Yeah, yeah, he got us over the line again. Uh, 24 disposals. And he looked really good as a uh, sort of that lead-up forward. He actually did yeah. provide a bit of that connectivity that we yeah. were missing. Um, and, and that's the thing. Part of it, it seemed... Um, there were a few times it worked really well. I think... Um, from memory in the third quarter, there's a beautiful passage where uh, memory got it just lace out on a lead. Yeah. There are times it worked perfectly where players went to the right spots, mm. um, but it seemed to be that players too often led wide or led back rather than coming up and, and going forward. And then occasionally when the player leading was in the right spot, it was just a bad kick. Yeah. Um, kick over the head or on top of them, they have to stop and prop and then the defender gets a chance to spoil. But... Um, I, just, I don't know how we fix that now, Tav, in this sort of iteration of the Richardson era. How are we going to get the, the decent ball use we need to enable a game plan like that? Yeah, shoot ourselves yeah. in the foot, unfortunately. Look, yeah. there was some uh, bright sparks, and I guess uh, one point to add to that screech was that uh, we introduced Kent, yep. um, who, you know, you know, struggled, I guess, with some of his leads and that to fit in. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, memory, of course, started really well. Yeah. Uh, ben Long kicked the first goal. I'm thinking, oh, yeah. this is a Ben Long day. This is a goal exactly. kick, five goals, exactly perfect the, day. Exactly the guy you'd want to get off to a good start, kick that first goal, get pumped, and yeah. it all went down. <laughs> yeah, for me. Uh, but I guess uh, the, the bright spark and everyone um, was in raptures was uh, introduction of Matty Parker. Yeah. Uh, sensational. Like, uh, yeah. And, and the, the, I guess, uh, the thing that, uh, you know, rubber stamped him as a uh, cult hero in the second quarter, uh, just the uh, the passage of play where the harassment, the pressure, yeah. uh, you know, beat three yeah. to get a, a contest and a stoppage, just uh, fantastic. Then took them all on, and yeah. they had his teammates, a young brigade of, I think, yeah, <laughs> our hard asses, yeah, yeah. uh, Gresham Billings and yeah. um, uh, someone else uh, came to his aid. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that was sort of the moment that uh, endeared him to uh, to Saints fans particularly. Yeah, yeah looks so much to like from from Matty Parker. Um, we spoke. At, Preseason tarp about the recruit of recruitment of the mature age guys, um, and look if uh, Parker continues in the, the vein that he, he started his career, you, you got to hats off to the club they really found one there. Um, yeah. It's a perfect kind of guy that um, you know for any number of reasons wasn't ready at eighteen and didn't not only didn't get a crack at it but didn't deserve a crack at it at, yeah. at eighteen. Um, but you've had it. You, the club's identified someone that's put in a hell of a lot of hard work. Um, you know, we all heard the story leading into round one, you know, he was digging trenches for a <laughs> gas company, you know, this time last year, that kind of stuff. Like, and playing top flight footy in, in uh, the waffle as well. Like, that's hard work doing yeah. that. Uh, so he, he's put his head down his bar and he's worked his ass off to, to get this um, opportunity and, and he took it on the weekend. And he plays like that as well. He does. His yeah. work rate is phenomenal. Like, as yeah. soon as he uh, releases the ball, he's on the shepherding, blocking, uh, looking Absolutely. for the next uh, receive. Yeah. Uh, goes to the next contest. Just sensational to watch. Yeah. And look, uh, he, he plays with instinct as well, which is yeah. fantastic. So much of so many AFL players that come through that sort of designated pathway have that coached out of them. Um, I really, yeah. really hope fucking Richardson <laughs> doesn't stuff this up because. Um, and look, passage I think it was in the second quarter where he did the blind turn yeah. uh, in the pocket, which was just electric. Like that pace and that agility, and and uh, he didn't even think to do that. That is just pure instinct. He's got the ball and, and did what came naturally to him. Yeah, um, could have kicked that goal as well. Very good goal. Ended up putting it out in the full. That to me, the coachable moment there isn't what are you doing. Look for your teammates. The coachable moment there is back yourself in. Mm. Keep doing what you're doing. That play on that instinct, play on that uh, those guts, and you could just see he, um, he sort of just lacked the confidence to, to finish the hard work he'd done. You could see he just became aware of a Gold Coast player coming in, so he didn't yeah. quite get the kicker up. Uh, and his first touch as well when he put the ball <laughs> the other time he put the ball out of bounds on, on the full. Um, You'd hope in the you know a month from now when he gets that same opportunity 
He needed to just put his head down and blaze away, take a bounce and go for a goal. He didn't need to look for teammates there yeah. as the first option. He needed to do what came naturally, but he tried to do the team thing, then tried to have a shot at goal and it all sort of came unstuck. But look, I think, and you add that, the, the work rate, as you mentioned, Tarf, and the pressure and the, the guts he shows sort of all over the, uh, the field, fantastic. He's going to be uh, one to watch. Um, hopefully, he can just build on that as his first uh, foray into the senior side. Yeah, he's got a, a great of, story. A lot of qualities that I think uh, will make him an excellent finals player as well, just yeah. with that sort of, uh, not only the skill that you mentioned, but the uh, the pressure. Yeah. Uh, another debutant we did mention before was uh, Callum Wilkin. He yeah. actually um, uh, was on, uh, or he put out a bit of a, um, I guess, a media statement or a story of uh, his day on the uh, AFL Players website screen, oh, yeah. which was fantastic because um, you get that sort of insight into what a debut's like, and he... Uh, <laughs> He says also, because he's had sort of, I guess, a whirlwind journey being an accountant, I think it yeah. was back in Adelaide, six yeah. months ago, to, uh, to to joining us here on um, at the turf at uh, Marvel Stadium. And he uh, writes, that was when it all started to sink in. I thought, yeah, this is AFL. Uh, he, he said he was a fairly laid-back guy. His nerves weren't too bad. But yeah. um, but then, you know, deep into the last quarter, yeah, right. when the scores were level, I was so focused on the next contest, I didn't really have any time to think about it. Yeah. Um, you know, when the when the siren went, uh, massive sense of relief and excitement. They're able to one, uh, to win. Now, the interesting part about what he mentioned though was uh, this: it's been a whirlwind few months, but it has been an awesome experience. St Kilda have been accommodating and facilitating the move and helping to make the transition as smooth as possible. They helped me with everything so that I was able to keep most of my focus on footy. I was keen to move to an interstate club if I was going to be picked up during the draft period. Interesting. Moving in a state has provided a really good experience to step outside my comfort zone and know that I'm able to focus on footy 24-7 here, away from other distractions. So this guy's um, yeah, uh, right. brought his nerdish uh, accounting uh, capabilities and yeah. mindset across to, uh, to AFL yeah, just yeah. to uh, lock in on this. Yeah. So I thought that was uh, an intriguing insight to Wilkie. He thought he was, you know, a fair way down the list, but uh, circumstances with Robertson and Carlisle have uh, upped him into the uh, senior team. Yeah, and look, just these guys, the mature age recruits, making a list in the first place for young footy players shows never give up because look what can happen. Yeah. Not only that, you know, you fight your way on the list, think you might not ever get a chance. Look what happens for these guys. You know, Matty Parker's sort of by talent and worked his way there. Wilkie, uh, might, as you said, might never have thought he'd even get a chance if uh, you know Robertson and, mm. and Carlisle and like were and Brown hadn't been suspended for round one. Um, but lo and behold, you get a chance at uh, a game of AFL footy. So just you got to keep working. And both he and Parker, terrific examples for what uh, you know the I guess the, the level of commitment to, to get them to this level. Yep. Uh, for, the, for the other guys on the team. They see yeah. Wilkie's dedicated 24-7 yeah. to Saints footy. Uh, hopefully that rubs off on his teammates. They've seen Parker out on the ground, yeah. um, you know, go above and beyond. Uh, hopefully that, uh, you know, uh, I guess um, inspires their teammates as well, or his teammates as well. All right, Screech, uh, we'll wrap it up there. Was there any sort of other uh, game notes uh, that you wanted to, to conclude on? Uh, not really for me. As I said, I've only managed to see sort of most of the replay. Um, how do you think we'd be feeling to have uh, it hadn't been a one-point win? Um, I, I, we were chatting briefly before we started recording. To me, there were large watching on replay. There were large patches of the game where just not much happened. Um, yeah. Just sort of boring football. And I think we were lucky we were playing um, a side like the Gold Coast and not a um, a better team. Um, interesting to see how we go in the coming week against Essendon, who yeah. had, had a really bad game against the Giants, but are a better side than than the Suns. Um, how do you think we'd be feeling if, if it wasn't a we hadn't eked out a win? Obviously, we wouldn't be feeling as good. Do you think we'd be, you know, similar sort of game, you know, the same game, obviously, but we'd had the one point loss instead, which could very easily have happened. Yeah. Um, how do you think we'd be viewing what happened on on Sunday, and how do you think we'd be feeling? Obviously, not as good, but do you think it'd be sort of, you know, uh, season over, or would we be a bit more uh, circumspect about it? Yeah, absolutely. It'd be season over. You can't capitulate to the uh, Gold Coast Suns in round one yeah, on the right. home deck. Yeah. Uh, as we've said all off-season, you know, promising the world and then uh, failing to fire a shot against the likely wooden spooner. Yeah. Uh, look, it was a perfect storm in terms of the time to get Gold Coast. Yeah. Uh, they're going to be at their best in these early uh, rounds, as we know, you know, given they're a young side. Uh, look, so... 
I, the, the most alarming thing would have been to squeak over or, you know, to not beat Gold Coast when they had two down. Yeah. Uh, they had Ainsworth on, you know, on well, one, one leg. leg. Yeah. <laughs> goal on one yeah. leg, an incredible goal. Uh, and then Swallow going nuts in the last quarter. Yeah. The captain's F. And, you know, they're, I think they're both talking PCLs potentially. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So it would have been hugely embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, all this uh, talk this week wouldn't have been on Essendon, it would have been on uh, Richardson and St Kilda. So, yeah. Uh, so a win is a win. And it's important, uh, you know, even though the game would have remained the same, it wasn't great, but some real issues for us, but it is important that we at least managed to get the win. Well, it's an under-pressure club, and yeah. uh, the, the pressure would have been heaped on ex- exponentially if uh, that had occurred. And yeah. I think it's a good segue into um, some club news uh, over the preceding uh, week's screech. Yeah. Uh, because I do have to ask you whether you've uh, signed up to donate, because we did get a win to yeah. our club's uh, exciting new initiative called Winner's Pledge, where uh, they're asking their most loyal fans who have tipped into yeah. the club a fair bit over the journey with the um, Raven redevelopment and the like, and yeah. memberships, of course, uh, to find more money for the club when they win. Yeah, look, we're going to try something tough. I guess they're going to try anything they can. Uh, no, look, I haven't made a pledge as a, a, a winner pledger. Um, I did get the email from the club, and I thought... Oh, it's a novel idea, isn't it? It's a, something a bit different. Um, look, you know, it means you're only uh, giving your money if the club, in a way, deserves it by coughing up wins and you're coughing up your cash. Um, so I wonder how much this uh, one-point differential could have been for the club. You yeah, know? Like, true. Uh, yeah. So how and much does that flow through to the uh, the playing list? Is, well, is Richo at three-quarter time saying, <laughs> there is X amount of dollars on the line for the club here, boys. You want hot showers this week? You've got to... Uh, <laughs> Get us over the line. Uh, there might be an improvement in his coaching speech at three-quarter time. Yeah. You never know. <laughs> um, just, just on that speech, it was interesting uh, to note during the game that um, uh, Ratton was doing a lot of sort of the preliminary work in terms okay. of uh, the address to the players. Then Richardson would come in for the final. Uh, interesting. There was a, uh, I think it was a Wayne Ludby photo where oh, um, yeah. it's got, he does some good ones, it's got Ratton uh, addressing the troops there. So... Richardson, of course, you know, uh, putting them to sleep before the, uh, <laughs> the recommencement. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so that's interesting, Screech. I think um, with that winner's pledge, it does smack a little bit of desperation because... We, yeah, I, yeah, I think it does. For me, it's just sort of a uh, bit of a turn-off, I think. Uh, look, I sort of take your point that... Um, look, asking for money is a bit of a turn-off anyway, don't you think? Like, they have to do it, but it, it never feels good when they're doing it, especially as you remember... Look, it's the we've, best. We've cocked yeah. up our money. You know, we're not the kind of people who are in a position to donate thousands of dollars to the club. Some people are, and that's yeah. who they usually target. Um, so I get what you mean, um, but I don't know how they how else they go about it. You know, like to me at least, it's a, it's a slightly novel approach. It's something a little bit different. Um, well, maybe they could start by getting some more commercial partners instead of asking the, the fans and the members who... I think they've probably tried. <laughs> well, well, that's, that's clearly not good enough then. If they're you know, asking the fans to put in more money after, as I say, tipping in money for the Moravian redevelopment, yeah. uh, to go back to the same whale, geez, it, it's wearing thin. Yeah. Oh, look, I agree, but it's, they have to do it. So, uh, look, and you're right. And it all and it's funny enough that they get more money from us, I guess, or the, the people that have pledged uh, if we win. Yeah. If we keep winning, we'll get more commercial money anyway. So it literally and, and uh, figuratively, it all comes back to um, to us winning. That's the solution, on field and off. Yeah, I love it. This is yeah. great. This is a fantastic idea. <laughs> I'm, uh, I've sung you around. All on board, which is uh, great. Now, it was a bit of a strange off-season screech because... Um, uh, we talk about sort of this pressure bubble, sort of, I guess, uh, going around under under the club. And we sort of had uh, the CEO come in and address the uh, the side after the um, uh, the win against North Melbourne in the uh, JLT series. Yep. Uh, the, the club sang the song as well, the JLT, yes. copped a little bit of criticism. But yep. um, I guess that's where this sort of winner's pledge sort of thing comes to mind. Okay. Uh, Finnis under a real cloud now because yeah. he's been hauled before the, the Coles with uh, the commission yep. earlier on in the year. Um, he's now, you know, uh, exploring these sort of avenues with the uh, the winners' pledge, and he's also, um, you know, going down and addressing the troops after a pre-season game, which is uh, 
sort of the uh, it feels like maybe the stitching sort of coming apart there. Yeah, he's just trying it's like there's uh, holes in a ship and he's just trying to plug his hole in anything he can plug his finger in any hole he so can so I wonder if uh, it was the CEO down there after the round one game I didn't sort of uh, hear any news of I that I haven't so. heard anything I don't know but, but he'll be breathing you talk about the importance of the win and I yep. guess um, uh, that's where I was headed the uh, in terms of the fabric of the club screech uh, certainly a win in terms of that off field perspective and gaining traction with members yep uh, which are down on this time last year. Yeah, uh, how far it's extremely down? helpful. I think I think about a, th- a thousand. So I think uh, I think it's about yeah. thirty six thousand or around that mark. Yeah, um, and potentially it was at thirty seven thousand last year. So okay, you do sort of I guess uh, get a little bit of a bump after that round one, or, yeah. or round two uh, period. Yeah, then it drops away. So realistically, we could expect maybe another six thousand more members potentially, yeah. maybe ten thousand more if, if uh, we get rolling. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, they, well, they've got to they've got to keep trying, don't they? They've got to try anything. The um, winners' pledge doesn't help the uh, the membership uh, side of things, um, but yeah, look, I don't know. Fitness, it's an interesting time for fitness, isn't it? Yeah. And, um, interesting time for Richard, as we know, and we've spoken much more about. But um, look, it goes back to again on field performance. As much as Richo's future um, sort of relies on that, mm-hmm. you know, fitness does as well. I suppose he's absolutely wedded to it now. Yeah, because yeah. the uh, the financial position is not going to change unless the on-field fortunes do first. So, yeah. Um, yeah, no wonder he's talking to the troops. He might uh, do that even more. Yeah, he had an interesting interview with Waitley uh, on the St Kilda ECU uh, today. Uh, you know, Waitley asked him, you know, what can you know fans have had a really poor relationship with the club last year after you let us down. Yeah, what can you do? What will uh, inspire fans to come to the game? And he had this really bizarre answer. It was like, um, you know, I was chatting to Rewalt and uh, I remember him, like, you saying how he came to the club and the St Kilda fans embraced him. Uh, and he was suggesting that um, he wants St Kilda fans to, like, embrace and get around the likes of Gresham and Billings, etc. Yeah. And that was the reason to get people to, to the game, to put their arms around Billings and Gresham, uh, which is a really odd selling point uh, from the CEO to sort of, uh, you know, six years into his rebuild plan. Yeah. He's talking about you know embracing you know uh, young players at the club, which is uh, very odd. Rather than coming to see us win, yeah, basically, yeah, yeah correct. So it's about forming emotional attachment to players and that kind of thing. That, that's um, right, which is uh, something you would do in sort of I guess the early stages of a rebuild. As yeah, you with, would. Uh, Rewild and Cosby. Yeah. It'd be like you know, say if Max King was playing. Yep. You know, get down, watch this guy from the stage's career is going to be a fifteen-year player for us. Get around him now, you know, embrace him as part of the fabric of the club, all that kind of stuff. Uh, you're right. You think of it that way, it's hard. That is something you'd really want from a beginning of a rebuild. Um, yeah, not six years in or whatever year we are into whatever saga we're putting up with at the moment. Yeah, so I guess uh, it sort of leads us to screech uh, the work that the club has been doing to retain uh, the members uh, that it does have mm. and the fans that it does have. So the 20,000 there on the weekend, which is you know a decent sort of turnout for the Suns, I thought. Yeah. Uh, home opener, you'd expect home maybe opener. a strong crowd. Beautiful but... day for football as well. Yeah. Roof open. Um... It was a sticky time as well. Like one ten's not great for some people, but uh, and also the train situation didn't help them. So yeah. I think uh, they'd be pleased with that. But I guess uh, the most important thing around at Screech was uh, fan engagement and game day experience. Yeah. So, um, Tell me about that. As I was not there, Tark. How did you find it? Yeah. Look, I think they've uh, really tried to, um, you know, use that word engagement as much as possible. Uh, there were some stretches though. Uh, yeah. So look, uh, the, you know, around the sort of concourse and things like that. It was a sort of an odd move. Yeah. Uh, it did sort of feel like, you know, uh, the, the fans who are coming in <coughs> weren't necessarily on board with the, the club at this point in time. They've just been burnt too much uh, previous to what had happened last okay. year. Still, obviously, there's uh, the core fanaticals. Yeah. Uh, but there was just sort of a, a hush and a mood around there, just really keen to see what was uh, what so would take place. It's fans feeling sort of a bit burnt, a bit apprehensive, a bit waiting, wait and see what the club's going to dish up before we really... See how we feel about things. Is that, yeah, well, it wasn't bouncing right? the old stadium. It yeah. didn't feel like that. It certainly felt like um, uh, it's less than half empty, or more than half empty, I suppose. So that might add to it. There wasn't the excitement of say a round one home opener. Yeah, and you're right. It's, yeah. it's an interstate franchise, so maybe that uh, you know I guess dulled the mood. Yeah. Um, but in terms of I guess yeah that connection with fans, they did try some things with the the songs and the theme yeah. chants after the uh, each goal. How did you find that? It was jarring, like yeah. uh, because. It, 
I guess uh, the, the, like, I like the sort of the concept of it. I think it's good. You know, it's, it's grown out of something really organic, the, yeah. uh, the chants after the goals. The, yeah. the guys in one of the bays there on the, the outer wing has uh, started that. And, and uh, it's fantastic that it's sort of grown out from a uh, really horrid year that they're able to do that. Uh, went on recorded and that. Playing it as a recording after the goal without sort of any warning yeah. uh, and without sort of any words to go with it, it just sort of came out of nowhere. And look, it's better probably than, uh, you know, Chelsea Dagger being played yeah. out, some might say, after a goal. But, um, but uh, yeah, I guess it was just sort of uh, put in front of the fans and saying, everyone was scratching their heads, what is this? Well, yeah, yeah. So, it, I, and I didn't hear watching a replay and I, I didn't get to focus too much on this side of things at all. Um, so I didn't hear it. Uh, it almost feels a bit a bit forced yeah. a bit um, yeah or jarring as you said it, unless you know and maybe and look it might, might be something that um, fans grow to enjoy and grow to um, to love as the season goes on once mm. people get their head around it and hear it a bit more yeah I don't know but it's interesting the um, yeah, I mean you mentioned coming from that really organic sort of fan base thing once it's co-opted by at a stadium level like that, recorded and played over big speed, yeah. it almost loses the that organic feel to it. So it loses the thing that makes it really worthwhile in the first place. Yeah, perhaps. So they caught us. Uh, they was caught in the slipstream because um, it grew from that, and they were trying to get it to that corporate level. Yeah, but the the fans weren't brought along with them. So what yeah. they should have done maybe is you know put out some notebooks, some hymn books. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, APL teams do that. Yeah, you can get your your, your sheets at, at the game. To sing along would have been a perfect interactivity. Yeah, uh, and some other sort of things was um, the, the kids were lining up before the banner. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, um, and they had some great social media as you would have seen. With yeah, the, um, that was great. Yeah, really great. Seb carrying the the um, little girl through the the banner. That was yeah, fantastic. So uh, that sort of stuff was uh, really well done. Yeah, uh, but yeah, apart from that, um, I guess. Uh, from that game day experience, a little bit to work on, but yeah. at least they're trying things. Uh, it sounds like it wasn't too bad. It sounds like there's a start there. They haven't sort of fixed it, yeah. um, for want of a better, better term or better phrase, but they're on a path to maybe getting it right. Yeah. I don't know. It, it's, it certainly feels like that. And they had uh, an interview at half time or three quarter time with uh, like this Brendan Lake. Uh, <laughs> they just uh, okay. misquoted his name on the scoreboard there. Yeah. Uh, so they're doing those sort of things, and obviously got the the sign language up people next to uh, to the yep. interviewee as well, which is really positive. So yep. um, it's, a, it's a bubbling pot at the moment for uh, for Finnis, and hopefully uh, he and his uh, cronies underneath him in the uh, membership and uh, commercial department can uh, work to get it right. Yeah, and hopefully this kind of thing is something that the club is listening to fans. Mm. Like I'm sure there'd be people would have contacted the club, good and bad. Oh, through the survey, I think uh, there was extensive uh, yeah. feedback. So hopefully that is something that, um, you know, in a, in a rational way, don't just, you know, just because you have people complain doesn't mean you throw out everything you're doing. But hopefully the club in a real rational uh, way has a finger on the pulse of what the fans are feeling about this stuff and they can adapt as the season goes on. If they find something's not working, don't keep forcing it. Um, try new, new ideas and new ways of, of engaging fans at uh, Marvel Stadium. Yeah. Um, but look, at least they're trying something, I guess, is, is my point, and, and they just need to be smart about it going forward. Well, with those, uh, you know, chants after the, uh, the the goals, I think they did turn them off after quarter time, so there was oh, maybe they? an awareness that it wasn't yeah, quite okay. hitting the mark, and they might need to uh, re-engineer that one. Yeah, interesting. Okay. All right, Screech, I guess uh, the biggest club news of the past week has certainly been uh, around our leadership yeah. uh, situation, or lack thereof, some might say. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> In uh, AFL media circles, uh, the Dan Hanbury thing sort of uh, really peaked uh, this this week, and uh, the, the clubs looked a bit shambolic. It must be said, yeah. Uh, just from the the outcome and the result, um, you know, uh, just I guess just maybe the the way it's all been handled. From I guess uh, the starting point being Richardson going on SEN last week, last Friday before the game to preview the game. Uh, he was asked about um, uh, Hanbury and said the uh, famous quote now uh, that he needs to be rebuilt. Uh, which is, you know, astonishing uh, coming from the from the head coach. But uh, look, I actually wouldn't mind asking you, Screech. And mm. then, uh, of course, uh, the the finishing point being that, that Hanbury stripped from the uh, leadership group. But you're a big injury truther kind of guy, <laughs> so uh, you must be extremely supportive of uh, the Richardson, um, uh, you know, washing of clothes on SEN. So are we, are we taking that as fact that he needs to be rebuilt or 
because everything we've heard before that has been, oh, it's just a bit of awareness. You know, he's had a bit of awareness in his, in his hamstring. Yeah. Now it's turned calf as well. Apparently okay. there's calf awareness. Um, look, I, don't, I didn't hear that interview. Um, I didn't, didn't hear, and I haven't read anything about, about um, Richardson's comments on this. It's just difficult to know what to take seriously from the club and what's the actual honest um, and factual story around these injuries, especially with Hannah Reed, because we clearly haven't had the, um, the true story and, and um, clear facts about what's happened the entire way through. Um, so now we're meant to believe, you know, it started off round four. It'll be looking like he'll be playing football again probably through the VFL. Now we're hearing it's sort of five, six weeks away mm. that he's playing footy again. So the story keeps shifting, even though you've had Richo come out and say, you know, he needs to be rebuilt, whatever that means. Um, so I don't know. Look, and I think just with the Hanbury story in general, there's two two aspects to this story, Tav, I think, which is the problem. Yeah. And one leads into the other one. The first is the decision to recruit him in the first place and the question marks around that, whether it was a good idea to do it whether it was a good idea to do it and pay him upwards of $800,000 a season when Sydney was quite willing to get rid of him as a salary dump anyway, which I think should tell you a lot that a club like Sydney was really was ready, ready and willing to get rid of him so quickly. Um, and the second part of the story is, as we've just been chatting about the media aspect and um, being upfront and honest about what state he's actually in. And because it was such a, I guess, controversial in a sense decision to recruit him in the first place uh they've sort of worried about that rather than actually being upfront and honest about where he's at with his body which has resulted in uh, well i think has contributed to not resulted but contributed to uh, hanabry sort of slinking out the back door of the leadership group <laughs> and you know wanting to take this pressure and focus off himself getting back on the football field and just wanting to focus on um getting his body right and we've seen it so many times that the way St Kilda as a club uh, deals with the media and fans uh, more broadly about messaging around injuries, they're not upfront and honest about it. And all that does is put more pressure on a player to get right and to talk to the media about what's happening. They can't be upfront and honest about it and say, look, I'm fucked. My body's wrecked. I'm not going to be playing first half of the season, whatever. They have to toe the club line and that just puts more pressure on them to to try and get their body right. So Richardson was upfront and honest because he said he needed to be rebuilt. So what are you saying? Well, what does that mean? What does rebuilt mean? After we've heard for weeks that he doesn't need to be rebuilt, that oh, no, it's just a bit of awareness. You know, we're just building his load up. He's been doing everything right. But oh, he just, you know, once he gets up to sort of match speed, he just gets that oh, a bit of awareness. That's all we've heard. We haven't heard that uh, he has a pre-existing injury that he might never recover from. And you need to rebuild someone at <laughs> 28 or however old he is with as much football as, as he's played. Like, what does that mean? Yeah, well, I, I think you're sort of on the money there, Screech. Um, uh, it was funny. He was asked, you know, is it the calf or is it the hamstring? Yeah. And he goes, well, it's sort of the whole leg area. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, man. <laughs> but uh, I guess the point, though, is, Screech, you've asked the club to be honest and the coach has come out and been honest. So what was why was he wrong to, to do that? It's just the way he's... Oh, um, look, and I'm not saying he's, he's wrong to be honest. It, it's just the whole package of, of messaging around Hanbury and injuries more generally... If Richardson is being honest now, you still have to take him with a grain of salt because we've had how many lies and obfuscations and yep. misdirections around what's happening with him leading up to this point. Mm. So now it's basically the story's gotten out. The industry is talking about it so much. It's so obvious that things aren't right because he's not training. He's so far off, clearly, away from playing BFL footy, let alone AFL footy. They're at a point where they have to finally be truthful about it. And truthful in a way of saying, like, being rebuilt, it doesn't... It's not still saying... It's still not being direct and honest about what it is. It's just being probably a bit more realistic about it, I guess. Yeah. So, look, my criticism would be be upfront and honest about it to begin with. Don't do it when you're finally backed into a corner and have nothing left to... You've got nowhere left to go. So you could say, you know, he's got a hot spot in his hamstring or whatever, or he's got hamstring awareness. Uh, he's also, you know, picked up a bit of a nick in his calf. Is that what you're suggesting? Oh, I, I'm suggesting be honest, but I'm suggesting be honest from the beginning. Yeah, okay. So that, that's, that's my... Uh, and, always been my bra, and that's and that's where they've uh, you know caught themselves out. So yeah, exactly. uh, they're at this point now where they've got rid of uh, Hanbury from the uh, leadership group. It's still unclear uh, as to whether it was a you know a forced demotion from uh, the club. Yeah. Uh, the, the Sam Edmonds story on the, uh, the the other day came out and said that uh, Hanbury had been relieved of his duties. Uh, Richardson had the direct quote after the Tom Morris article the night before. Yeah. Um, 
didn't actually have any uh, Saints official comment there, so they were clearly caught on the hop. Sources. So, Sources yes. inside the club. Good so, old so, Tom Morris working the... Uh, we'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and then uh, the, the day after, Richardson came out and said he's been relieved of duty to focus on the um, uh, on getting his body right. Yeah. Uh, so... Yeah, I guess uh, the the point that they could have done something would have been to be more upfront and honest. Tom Morris believes yeah. uh, in the two prior press conferences. Yeah, uh, there was another point where they could have done it, which would have been when Billings got elevated into the Absolutely. leadership group. Yep. Just put a little uh, strap down the bottom. Yeah, just say. And in other news, uh, Henry is just going to be, I guess, um, a move yep. down the leadership group for a, for an indefinite period. Yep, uh, as he gets his body right, got a casual vacancy. So. Yep. Nathan Brown uh, is going to come in and fill that role. You know, veteran defender, yep. career best preseason. We think yep. he's uh, primed for it. <laughs> yeah, uh, that would have been a nice little segue. That it all gets sort of hushed over. People pick up on it. They'll ask Richardson at the the preview game yep. press conference, uh, and then it's done. Yeah, yeah. Instead, it's, it's, it's we've uh, got this shadow cast. You know, over this whole Dan Hanover experiment, which is what it's become now. Yeah. Uh, just because. Uh, of the, the club's inability to navigate this one. Yeah, and look, I think this is a, an example of the, an issue that's been symptomatic throughout the club over the last few years. They're terrified of bad news and they're terrified of a bad story. Um, and rather than dealing with this, yes, getting out in front of it, like you've mentioned, the number of opportunities they had to, to do that, it's bad news. They don't want to talk about bad news. So they don't talk about it until they're forced to talk about it and then they've, when they've been backed into a corner and had to deal with it then. Um, look, I agree with everything you said there, Tav, that um, and it wouldn't have even been hard to spin the Nathan Brown inclusion and, and Hannah Ree taking a step back from the leadership group as, good as, news. A, as a good news story. <laughs> it's clearly not because the good news would be Hannah Ree getting close to playing AFL football, but yeah. you could spin that into a good a good news story that Hannah Ree's now got the space to focus entirely on getting his body right, which is what he's here for. He's still great around the club. We love what he's done from the playing group from a leadership perspective. He's brought so much knowledge and experience. The, the playing group love him. Uh, and now, great with Nathan Brown. We need experienced defenders leading on the field. And now Nathan's in a great position to provide even more leadership in the leadership group. And he'll grow even more in that role. And I think the leadership group and the playing group will, will uh, benefit from that immensely. There you go. It's easy to spin that into a good news story, but the club are terrified of, of doing that and about being uh, upfront and honest with the fans. Tar. Yeah, well, what it does is it gives rise to uh, a few people. You've got uh, Dog with the Bone now, Damien Barrett. He's clearly got this agenda against Left Lean. Yeah. Uh, he's going to run this uh, to the hilt now. Any opportunity. You've got Tom Morris there, former club staffer, who yeah. does have connections inside the club. How could the club not think it would get out? Yeah. Uh, when you've got journos like Tom Morris, you know, sniffing around and you've got maybe potentially disgruntled employees at the club or, or people at the club who do talk to Tom Morris yeah. still uh, and giving him the inside mail. People potentially, you know, who maybe see this uh, as a left-lean move and maybe don't like left-lean yeah. and therefore want to have a pot at left-lean, this is a good way to do it. Absolutely. Uh, and also it gives rise to... Um, uh, has to be 100% fallacies from uh, this from uh, David Schwartz on uh, Macquarie Sports Radio. He alleged, he said that uh, Hanbury didn't do a medical... Uh, look, it just seems highly unlikely that uh, that they wouldn't yeah. run a medical with a guy like this. It just <coughs> be uh, incredible if this was that, true. That doesn't seem right because from everything else we've heard, one of the reasons Hanbury wanted to leave, well, wanted to come to St Kilda, uh, was he believed, and we've heard this a few times from other players, Nathan Freeman probably as well. Uh, he believed in the club's ability, the club's medical staff's ability to get him right and get him 100%, which he hadn't been at mm. Sydney. You'd think if that's the case, surely the club would have to be fully aware of where his body's at and would have had to have done a medical. Yeah. So just to, uh, I guess, uh, quote uh, Simon Lethleen here, Screech, he did, uh, I did actually listen back to a couple of uh, podcasts that Lethleen did, um, the Drink It Through podcast, which okay. is a club uh, insider podcast. Uh, so Lethleen, on September 24, after the Hanbury you know, deal sort of got mooted, uh, there's a lot of commentary about him being banged up, but that's not our view. Our medical staff have done due diligence required to ascertain where that's at. We think Dan can contribute on and off field, off field screech, across the next four plus years. We think he, we think he brings great performance possibility. Uh, and then he was further asked once the, the uh, Hanbury deal got done around this uh, medical due diligence. 
You wouldn't acquire any players without a full medical screening by the club doctor and club physio. They do a really thorough review of their current medical state and previous imaging and information. They were very thorough on both of those players, the other one being Kent. Yeah. Uh, Dan has had some interruptions, but we say he's right to hit a full preseason and hopefully he gets the benefits of that. It's a thorough process for hands-on medical now and imaging past. And we get some more scans uh, to check where things are at. We expect his intensity and work ethic to be apparent when he arrives and he pushes players for other players for better standards. Yeah, okay. So, so look, there you go. And uh, question and answer tough. And and because of this uh, mess that the club has, uh, I guess, uh, found itself in, you know, you know Sam McClure you know, has a connection to left wing. Had to come out and say that they actually did four. Uh, medicals with Dan Hanbury. That's what McClure tweeted. So okay. um, they were sort of scrambling a little bit there. And uh, yeah, it's just uh, not, I guess, uh, the best circumstance for our prized recruit screech. But hopefully this uh, window <coughs> now where he has uh, been relieved of his duties, uh, it's just sort of, I guess, uh, some separation from this story. Well, yeah, hopefully the story, he doesn't especially need to talk about it now and he can just focus on actually recovering and trying to get right to play football if that ever happens again. Um, but yeah, look, it's just a mess, isn't it? Um, that, that two sides of the story that I mentioned, the decision to recruit him now, now looks ridiculous, looks stupid. Um, and the club handling and the way they've tried to manage that perception of the decision to recruit him and his injury status now has made it look even worse and that they've just mishandled it. Yeah, look, I don't believe that um, uh, the decision to recruit him, you know, can be judged now. It can't, but at the moment, it can't have a final judgment, but it looks stupid now. That's the perception. It has to be the perception of it now. It's yeah, not a yeah. final judgment, but that, that has to be how it's perceived. Yeah, we talk about Leflin as a figurehead of the club. You know, he's had a, a decent off-season in terms of, um, I yep. guess, uh, his communications in the media and uh, being that, that central point for the Saints. His credibility is uh, <laughs> very much in question now. Yeah, isn't absolutely it? in question, um, you know, from fans, but also yeah. external forces. So um, the club, in terms of this strategy going forward, in terms of the media component, they've got a lot of fires to uh, consider now. Yep. They've got bullets coming for left lane. Yep. Uh, obviously, the Richardson thing is, um, you know, they've got bullets coming the way of Richardson. Yeah. Uh, Finnis has got. The <laughs> The, the ball is coming his yeah. way, probably less so than the other two, given it's 40 At season. the moment, yeah. Uh, and then uh, some interesting things that I read, uh, I think it was in a Jake Nile piece, where you got uh, the son of Lindsay Fox uh, okay. hosting uh, Saints people yep. already on the eve of round one. There's so the, rumblings. So the, the forces are happening. Oh, for, the, uh, the younger Fox blood's coming through with some rumblings. That'll be interesting. So, yeah, interesting times uh, at the uh, the Saints screech. Yeah, and look, the, the lesson for me to take out of this is get out the front of stories, deal with things upfront and as honest as you can be. Um, clearly, the club can't be honest about everything and you know they can't be upfront all the time, but get out the front of stories. Don't be afraid of bad news. Work with the story rather than hide from it and get you know, backed into a corner and then deal with it on the back foot like they've been doing. Well, one thing they can't control, or maybe they can, but uh, is the, both the Tom Morris article and the David Schwartz allegations have both come from inside the club. Uh, so... That's a bit worrying, Screech, as well. You know, you talk about the things you can control, but uh, if people inside the club are uh, leaking things out, then uh, that is a worry. Yeah. All right, Screech, some positive news. Let's uh, look at some positive news because um, uh, we're here to celebrate uh, the Saints and uh, their fantastic fortunes going forward. And that was led by the surprise re-signing. They need a positive news. Yes. Here you go. Great. Of, uh, of Max uh, King. Yeah. A uh, guy coming back from an ACL. And, of course, uh, he is back on the track, apparently, this week. Yeah. Uh, passed an agility test. Everyone was very excited to report that. So uh, that's some good news uh, coming for the, uh, for the club. That is um, very good news. Uh, I always find it odd that, that sort of the trend now of re-signing uh, draftees before they've even played a game. Um, it's a little bit odd. Why can't they just sign them to these contracts straight away? Clearly, that's the trend now across the AFL. Like they have their initial rookie deals that must that must be on a um, graded scale, depending on where you draft and that kind of thing. Why can't they just let them sign them to whatever they want? Yeah, because it's clearly going to happen straight after they're drafted, so it doesn't prevent draft tampering and that. Anyway, just a curious thing. I don't know the answer to. Uh, but yeah, great news. Clearly, he is uh, very much viewed as the future of the club. He's been fantastic since he's been at the club uh, with the media. I've seen him at the family day dealing with kids. He was absolutely brilliant doing that. Um, yeah, he's got Rui's number. It's all set up for him to yep. um, to really make the club his own. So fantastic news. 
that he's re-signed and obviously being a Saints supporter growing up, he loves the club anyway. Um, so hopefully this is another indication that he's a Saints man for life and have many injury-free years coming up where he's going to dominate for us. Um, and great news uh, on the injury front that he's back in that uh, non-contact training. I think it's yeah. a really significant step that he's got that agility back um, in his knee so he can um, really sort of step, take a step up. And no one's expecting him to play senior footy this year, really. I think, you know... Yeah, this maybe talk around in July, maybe. Yeah, he maybe. get back, so... Um, it would be great news if, um, if he did. Um, but uh, one thing I did um, notice, and I haven't uh, prepared for this, Tav, um, but there was a post on, um, I'm not going to be able to find it, but I'll try and remember off the top of my head, Tav. There was a post on Instagram um, about uh, brothers and the importance of brothers. Um, and it was, oh, here we go. Yeah, Max King posted it uh, about his brother. Um, and you could read between the lines there of it was something. Oh, look, I'm, I'm going to misquote if I if I try and remember what he said. But the interesting thing uh, was it was sort of geared towards you know importance of brothers sticking together. Mm. And uh, noticed in the comments that uh, Bytel, Jack Bytel, yeah. uh, young St Kilda rookie out with the back injury, commented just with the uh, emoji of a um, an hourglass. Oh, there you go. Two hourglass. There you go. Only a matter of time, Tav, if you read between those lines, that the uh, the King brothers will be reunited. It's a nice little uh, Jason Instagrams for us there. Yeah, Screech. just a preview. Uh, interestingly enough, though, uh, just before we do get into that uh, Screech show, when the alert came out of my Saints app and it said, you know, young Saint had re-signed, yeah. I did feel a bit hoodwinked. I was expecting it to be Jay Gresham's face uh, popping up. Uh, and an extension for Gresham. Unfortunately, that didn't uh, yeah, eventuate. So uh, I did know that uh, John Ralph had an article on uh, March 6th uh, in the News Corp publications. Uh, Securitist Joe Gresham is moving towards a contract extension that could see him secure a significant pay rise. Good. Um, it's believed Gresham and his management were keen to assess the club's changes over the off-season, a revamp of the club's personnel and the acquisition of Dan Hanabry. Uh, before sitting down and discussing a new deal. I wonder if that changes now. Mm. Uh, at 21, commentators are already labeling him one of the Saints' most important players. So, you know, there you go, Screech. We could have some good news on the horizon if they get the Gresham deal in. Hopefully, yeah. Look, just throw uh, whatever you need to at him to get him to stay. Yeah, because I guess we talk about players, you know, attracting fans to come along to the game. He, along with, say, uh, potentially Billings and definitely now Matty Parker, are some of the few who do that. All right, Squish, let's get into um, uh, Jason Instagram, Saints on social media. We'll catch up what the uh, the Saints players have been up to off the field. You can, of course, uh, let us know any uh, Jason Instagrams, Saints on social media, at Saints Disco Pod on Twitter, or alternatively, send us an email. Yes. Saints Disco Pod at gmail.com. Yes. So I've got some uh, for us uh, this week, Tar. Um not uh, not anything too thrilling. Um, it's a long uh, off season for the uh, the players on social media, so I sort of stayed away from that stuff. But just something that caught my eye um, as I was overseas in the lead up to um, to round one, as I mentioned, so I didn't get a whole heap of Saints news, but I was keeping track on the, the social medias, and there's a real theme from a number of players yes. posting on their Instagram accounts leading up to round one. With sponsored posts, which I just thought was curious. So, hold, look, I don't know, this is an ex- isn't an exhaustive list by any stretch, but notice from Jack Nunes, Josh Bruce, Jack Loney, Dan McKenzie, Luke Dunstan, Oscar Claverino, Jack Steele, just to name a few, all posted with uh, various kinds of photos with um, the hashtag round one ready. Yeah, there you go. Um, Basically saying, stream the game on the AFL Live app free for Telstra customers. Okay, so someone's getting some coin. Yeah, uh, yeah. it was just interesting. I don't know why it wasn't all players that did it. Just so it wasn't all Saints players? It wasn't, wasn't all Saints players, not every Saints player. So these guys are on the Telstra book? I don't know. Is that what it meant? I just thought it was interesting. Some posted pictures of themselves playing football. Uh, say a Jack Loney, picture of himself training. After a huge summer, we finally get underway tomorrow at Marvel, Marvel Stadium. It'd be great to see all the Saints fans there, but if you can't make it... You can always watch it live on the AFL app with Telstra. That's a very creative post from an influencer in uh, Jack Loney there. It That's, is. Uh, they've certainly uh, had some help with those posts, you'd think. And then you've got um, an, an even more social media influencer, Josh Bruce, posts a lovely picture of him out on, paddling on his surfboard. Yes. Out amongst the waves. Bit less time for this now with the off-season over. 
Hashtag round one ready. Saints fans get down there on Sunday at Marvel Stadium or watch on the AFL Live app at Telstra. Um, you've got Jack Nunes uh, just posted a picture of Jimmy Webster. <laughs> Web- Webby's ready to shred tomorrow. Stream the game on the AFL Live app free for Telstra customers. Hashtag yeah. round one ready. Um, perhaps most interesting, you've got a guy like Oscar Claverino, injured nowhere near the senior team. Not ideal starting the season from the sidelines, but keen to see these legends kill it on Sunday. He's posted a, a training pic of uh, other players. Make sure you stream our first game in the AFL Live official app, free for Telstra Mobile customers. Hashtag round one ready. Interestingly, went with the hashtag Spawn as well. Okay. Just to make it clear. As he doesn't want to get caught in a uh, Emily Radzikowski uh, sort of fire festival um, debacle. Yeah, so exactly. Very upfront there. Um, so there you go. So that's just a, a taste. Um, I just thought it was an interesting thing to notice. I'm not sure if other Well, that's, fans that's why we're not ahead of the Hanbury story, because you've got the media team writing these social media posts for uh, that, Telstra Coin. That might be it, Tark. That's what they're busy doing. So uh, uh, interesting. There you go. All right, so it's time to move into some correspondence from you Saints fans, which yes. is uh, always good. You can hit us up, saintsdiscopod at gmail.com, and we do enter G-Train's Gmail screech and... Yeah. Have we had any feedback this edition? We have got, got a couple of emails, Tav, which is uh, always good. Uh, always keen, as Tav mentioned, to hear from uh, listeners, um, both good and bad. Uh, as we mentioned at the start as well, it's been, it's been a while since we've been in the disco. So yeah, it's been a long time. It has. Uh, so we've got a, an email from uh, listener Woodsy back at the start of March. Um, I love this the, the phrase here. I haven't heard this, but the, the subject line is just potty. Yeah. Uh, just Hey, fellas, just want to say that the potty is awesome. I love the use of potty. Um, drive a lot for work, so it's great to have some Saints for you to listen to. Uh, I think Richo doesn't last the season. I was very surprised he wasn't punted at the end of last year. The bloke looks like a deer in the headlights on game day. I'm looking forward to Brett Ratton taking over and providing the in-game adjustments we need and have lacked since Richo took over. Keep up the great work, fellas, from Woodsy. Yeah. Interesting, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, after the game, uh, everyone sort of zoomed in on Richardson in the coach's box. Yeah. He sort of sat there with that um, uh, grit on his face was, after the uh, huge win yeah. against the, uh, the Gold Coast. So he was very chuffed. Uh, interesting as well around Ratton. Uh, as the coaches came up the race, Screech, uh, big applause for Ratton. Very yeah. excited. Yeah. And then it was a... And nothing for uh, Richardson, unfortunately, yeah. uh, for the senior well, game. Look, I think Woodsy's views there probably echo... Um, a large section of the supporter base in uh, wanting uh, Richo gone and uh, Ratten sort of taking over. So I think the um, yeah the the fan response you saw at the ground on the weekend is probably indicative of that. Yeah, interesting. Uh, and was there any other uh, correspondence? Yeah, one from regular correspondent uh, Peter. So great to hear from Peter again, who mentions that he's with some big footy mates started. Uh, a podcast of their own, which is great, in their uh, early days there. So good luck to, to Peter and, uh, and the Big, big Footy Boys. Um, they, they've done one, uh, which is up on YouTube, so we can tweet out that link so others can, can listen to that one as well. Um, Peter mentions uh, that he was watching the Sydney Bulldogs game uh, on the weekend uh, with the sound down, which is often an interesting way to watch the, the footy because you just sort of, you know, you don't get the commentators explaining things or their reaction to things. So... He noticed mainly some of the free kicks he thought were just amazing. Didn't recognise the game, he thought. Uh, first, there is uh, playing on from a point. Why bother having the square, which is an interesting point. I think it's probably more for the the marking. If you're marking the goal square, you still get to go basically front on to take your shot at goal. There's no other reason to have the, the goal really square high. at the moment. Yeah. Um, maybe to measure out the mark where it needs to be uh, from a kick in. But they can just play on. It doesn't matter. Anyway. Um, and then he also mentioned... Uh, Free kick was paid with both players to either the least ball player got the tap on because he got there just before the other guy, but he was then penalised for the second player for Tottenham, which that rewarding player gets there second. Yeah, look, probably um, I was puzzled as well watching the Saints game. Mm-hmm. Um, a few, uh, it seems the emphasis they've placed on a few different aspects of, of the game. Um, oh, thanks, Peter, by the way, for the email, just to talk about the umpiring now for a second. Um, well, that was a heated uh, bone of contention for Saints fans. Yeah. Uh, a lot walked away very displeased with what was going on. And the coach uh, did mention after the game, he said, look, if, if they felt that they were a bit stiff, that he would call the uh, umpire's yeah. boss. And look, just watching, like, as I said a, a few times, I've watched it briefly, the replay, or most of the replay, and was fast-forwarding through some bits of it. There were decisions, there were terrible decisions going both ways, I thought. I don't think we were necessarily more hard done by than Gold Coast because there were some decisions that certainly helped us that went our way and non-decisions that went our way. Um, The deliberate out-of-bounds to me was far too hot and was ridiculous. There were some decisions there were just absolutely um, 
like just ridiculous. The players were clearly under pressure, just trying to get rid of the ball. The ball having to go out of bounds, and yeah. they just paid deliberate. If the AFL wants to move to last touch out of bounds, it's a free kick against that player. Go that way. Don't have this ridiculous interpretation where the umpire has had told that there's an emphasis. It'll get to a point either next week or the week after where there's far too much emphasis. Suddenly, the AFL will realise that. They'll tell them to pull it back and mm. suddenly we'll be back to something somewhere where we have been the last couple of years on it probably. Yeah. Just make a clear-cut clear cut rule. The AFL gets itself in trouble where they put more... Umpires have a hard enough job as it is when they give them even more things to interpret in real time. That's when we get ourselves in, in even more trouble. Um, well, you won't see it in eight weeks' time, so... Well, exactly. Yeah, you're right. Uh, the other thing was some of the, the Ben Long decision when they overturned. Jack was meant to have a shot of goal. They overturned um, the, the free kick, the mark, um, because they paid against Ben Long contact in uh, Gold Coast. But that was potentially one of the worst decisions I've ever seen on a football field. Uh, and if that's the way the umpiring sort of going, uh, we're going to have frustrated fans in, from all teams throughout the season, I thought. Uh, yeah, interesting uh, points there from you, Screech, and also Peter. So thanks for your correspondence. Uh, all right, Screech, we all uh, quickly wrap up the yeah. show with uh, a look ahead to the big game against uh, Essendon, who have, of yes. course, been under the uh, media griller. They've uh, been the spotlight on all the uh, talk shows. Um, I don't know if you caught any of their game against uh, GWS, but uh, they, boy, did they look lazy. Uh, and a real opportunity yeah. now for this uh, Saints squad, albeit, you know, the an uninspiring win against Gold Coast. Yeah. Uh, we'll give them some confidence that they uh, did chalk up the uh, the four points. So Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, look, I didn't see much of the Bombers game. Uh, I, I just arrived back in the country towards the end of that game and saw bits of the um, the second half where the, the game was already dead, so there wasn't much yeah. to take out of it. But yeah, some of the highlights or lowlights I've seen since then really lackluster Bombers performance. So hopefully it's not the bounce back game for them against us in round two. It's Although, dangerous. Yeah, it? you fear it might be. Um, but look, an opportunity. If the Bombers um, are struggling early season for their form, um, we can take hopefully that confidence from a win and, and really pounce on them on the weekend. Um, the thing about uh, selection, I've been mean, trying to think about selection going into this game. Interesting, there's probably a number of players that um, you could look at for going out, but a number of those, all those players I thought, well, I think pretty much everyone, the 22 that played, they all did some nice things. Yeah. A guy like Dean Kent you mentioned earlier, Tarp, Seemed out of place and struggled for most of the game, mm. but then kicked that ripper clutch time goal yeah. to, to get us the win, basically, before Loney kicked the point to win it. Um, so do you keep him in the side? Probably do, because it's only been one week. He's new to the, the side. You give him yeah. more of a chance to turn himself. Um, some of the guys in the back line, Nathan Brown will come back in, but who do you drop? Um, you know, guys like Joyce and, and, uh, uh, and Wilkie... Yeah, did some bad things, did some really nice things as well, Yeah, as I mentioned up the top. Um, uh, guys like Luke Dunstan has been mentioned by many to, to go out to create some more room in the midfield. Um, 30 seconds left in that game, if Luke Dunstan hadn't thrown his body at a football to, to win a, a 50-50 contest or create a, a, a dead ball, we wouldn't have won that game. So, yeah, but, but the converse to that, I agree with that, Screech, is uh, 18 possession is not enough for... Yeah, uh, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if you're looking over the total of the game, um, who, who does go out and who comes in? Well, Arna Clark would be the one, given that um, uh, you know he was, uh, I guess... Uh, Should have played in the first place. Well, that, that's the one that, I guess, uh, perturbed most Saints fans. Yeah. Uh, the other one to come in uh, would be Ryan Marshall. Yep. The big sexy. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, you know, he offers exactly what we need at this point in time. Yeah. You know... Sexy player, you're right. Well, <laughs> exactly what we need. Well, to get the fans there, that's yeah. what we need. But, uh, you know, Saints fans um, uh, are in unison around this one. Yeah. Uh, he is the perfect, ideal specimen as the second ruckman. Yeah. Uh, can play both forward and yeah. uh, as that uh, chop out ruckman for uh, beating, you know, Pierce. If yeah. not, then he can be the first ruck with uh, Bruce, you know, as that, as that slider. But you don't really want Bruce in the ruck at all. Uh, yeah. It, it just, just seems just, just on Bruce as well. Wasn't it nice to see Josh Bruce have a just a really good game of AFL footy? Well, yeah, it felt like three goals and it had like uh, been a long time. Saved the game with the clutch mark at yeah. the, uh, the end of the period, of course. Uh, yeah, look, uh, we look so much better with him in the side. Yeah, uh, yeah, a lot of uh, thoughts around him being the best player on the ground. So yeah, we did look a lot better. He looked like he was a guy who was just ecstatic to be out there and after two horror injuries. So. Yeah, and thankfully it seemed like that it continued on from preseason. Yeah, so hopefully that's you know. 
that's not just a one-off week that we casually seen from him. It's a, a body of form he's sort of building now um, in the early season. So, And that's where I was a bit disjointed with selection that uh, fans were maybe a bit upset because you had Marshall have that really nice uh, second half against Bulldogs, carrying yep. that form into the next week. Yeah. And then he gets turfed uh, for, for Pierce, who you know didn't really show yeah. much in the preseason. Good news, I guess, because of injury. It yeah. sounds like Marshall played really well at Sandy. So yeah. he's, he's sort of done everything he had to do there. Yeah. Um, same with um, Clark, with Clark. And, and also Robbie Young, yeah, four roles, yeah. uh, which is really exciting now. Unfortunately for him, there's a fair queue in terms of that small forward spot. Yeah, um, but maybe just go small. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, the thing I like about this week is uh, that Essendon just don't have any structure. They've got no hooker and no yeah. Danner, so um, we're helped there. Absolutely helped yeah. there, and especially if uh, they've been you know battered in the uh, the midfield. Yeah, uh, it might be a real chance with Merritt so far out of form, Sheila uninspiring in that uh, first hit out. Maybe there is an opportunity there for us to at least compete on that level. Yep, and give our forwards a real opportunity. Yeah. So um, if we're looking at Clark coming in, um, perhaps Jack plays more, a bit more time through the midfield second wake up. Um, someone has to come out of the midfield. You'd think. Yep. Is it a Dunstan? Yeah, that'd be the the first one for me. Yeah, I, I'd suggest. Um, yeah, that would be the, the the most obvious one. The other yeah. one for Brown would be obviously uh, Darrell Joyce or yeah. Wilkie. Yeah, uh, tough call for the selection. It is. Yeah. Uh, you know, Darrell Joyce's uh, improvements since that Melbourne game last yeah. year is uh, is unbelievable. I thought he did some really nice things um, yeah. on the weekend. Um, he's got that funny kicking style. He really holds the ball. But hits a target. Hits a target. Yeah. It's a really. Uh, it's almost a slow, sort of simplified kicking style that I think a lot of his teammates could actually learn from. Just <laughs> slow it down. Just think about what you're doing. Yeah, so let's uh, get some feedback for you, Screech, on how you sort of uh, see this one shaping out. Are we going to get a win? Um, oh, look, the uh, my best case scenario is yes, that uh, we catch Essendon uh, down. As you said, they're lacking that structure and hopefully they can't exploit our um, deficiencies at the moment as much yeah. as they, they possibly could. Um, hopefully we get that confidence coming from just a win. Uh, we're better for the run. Yeah. Um, hopefully we get on top early, have a better start. Like you mentioned, we didn't have one. Uh, fitness can come through and we have a good start and we don't fall into those old habits. I think that'd be really important. If we can start well, um, if that more direct style of play is working earlier, mm. we don't fall back into the old habits. So it all sort of stem from that. Um, look, I, I don't think we'll win. Um, I, I just don't. Uh, I don't see us getting the job done. We just weren't good enough against the Gold Coast. I think a team we struggled to beat a team that we should have beaten quite easily. Um, but I'm still hopeful. So I'm sort of got a <laughs> finger, a foot in each uh, each camp there. Table. What do you reckon? No, we're going to win. Going to okay. win. Uh, yeah, thirty points. There I'm hopeful, go. but not confident. How's that? That's that's my final synopsis. Yeah. No. Look, I think. Um, you know, look, uh, what the Saints did do on the weekend was uh, were able to outlast the side, yep. able to finish the game. You know, uh, Gold Coast had every opportunity to win the game. Saints yep. held firm in those final two minutes. Yep. Uh, that does breed confidence. We saw after the game uh, that, you know, uh, Nunes, uh, Billings came out and sort of said, you know, look, uh, the pressure's lifted because yep. we've got that first win. Yep. Maybe they had built it up in their heads all off-season. True. And then, uh, you know, they got a bit more of a freer mind coming to this one after getting that first win. So. Yep. Uh, yeah, look, uh, taking a really positive outlook, I'm really hopeful that we can uh, get Essendon uh, this time around because okay. uh, they were oh, horrible against uh, GWS. So. Hope they're horrible this weekend. Fantastic. Well, there we have it, uh, Screech. There is um, the Saints Disco for another episode. Uh, you, of course, can get in touch with the, uh, the Saints Disco. This is uh, your look at St Kilda Football Club from a fan's perspective. Get in touch at Saints Disco Pod on Twitter on game day. Or alternatively, send us an email, saintsdiscopod at gmail.com. Thanks, Saints fans, for sticking with us. Yours in football, go St Kilda. Go Saints.